kids come tough. I mean, this is a resilient group of kids. Mm -hmm. They've always proved that. You can see that just Duquesne, Pitt. I mean, we have great programs here in Pittsburgh, and it's nice to be part of one of the best. I think it means that the college soccer scene here in Pittsburgh is going to get better and better every single year. It bodes well for the game and the college game here in Pittsburgh. Welcome, everyone, to the Pittsburgh College Soccer Show, brought to you by the Pittsburgh Soccer Report and the Mongols Podcast Network. I'm Mike. With me, as always, is our college soccer professor himself, John Krasinski. John, how's it going? Good, Mike. How how are you? I'm good. Um, I'm a little uh, a little tired, and if my throat is a little scratchy, I apologize. I just got back from uh, some coaching some U8 soccer tonight. So oh, I chug some tea, try to get some honey in me, and uh, here to talk some college with you. That's good. Well, at least you, we've had some good. We've had some good weather. Some really great soccer days out there this past week. I've been out, out and about the last few few days, and it's just the weather's been terrific. Yeah, it's it's peak fall season here. Mm-hmm. Um, can't complain at all. They're yeah. they're calling for maybe a little bit of rain this weekend um, when uh, the kids are supposed to have games, but uh, they can play through some rain. They'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh let's let's talk some college here it's been a little while since we've uh gotten together to talk um two or three weeks or so and there's a lot that's happened um I, I think the biggest news is really you know when you look at all the different teams across the area duquesne men and women their team have been on a tear their teams have been on a tear i mean they really they have taken off both teams are now ranked number 10 in the national soccer coaches association of america mid-atlantic poll so kudos to you know both of those teams um, from Duquesne. Let's uh, let's start with the women. So since we last talked, they are now four one and zero, including they're now two and zero in conference play. They've only given up two goals in the past five games. Um, so what do you what do you attribute that to? Well, certainly this is a team that again last year won the A ten, and I think there's such a huge uh, it was such a huge boost to the current group of players because a lot of them were, were there and just a just a boost of confidence they have there's there's a certain level of confidence that they have and they started off the season you know a little bit up and down but they got that win at Pitt which mm-hmm. I thought helped them and they've been strong i mean they've been in every just about every game you can't you know count out and of course the uh, goal goaltending uh Kira Murphy uh, you know was named the A10 defensive player of the week uh, this week or this past week and she's earlier in the week and she's uh continues to to dazzle um and keep uh you know opponents from she's just been a solid solid netminder again this is a pretty good team they have a you know a scrappy bunch in front of her uh, a talented group a lot of local players uh which is which is great to see of all of all the six division one teams that we have in our area the duquesne women are the most um, the team that has the most local players uh, by far, and that's it's great to see. It's super, and again another testament to to the um, you know the, the outstanding uh, female on the, the female side. Uh, how many outstanding players come come out of Western PA and out of the Whippeal and and some of our good club teams like Beedling and um, Century United. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, you mentioned that they're a fun team to watch. Duquesne does a really good job of getting their games online, getting highlights online. So if you have not seen the Duquesne women's team play yet, head over to you know their website, head over to their Twitter feed, 
Um, they always do a great job of putting up links, and you can always catch games and highlights. And you know, as you said, it's it's they're an exciting team to watch. Um, I've watched most of the highlights thus far and, and really enjoyed taking it in. And I hope to get to one of their last few games here this season with the kids. Um, they're over there at Rooney Field. Yeah, and they're you know the significant thing for them uh, is most important thing is the last two games they've started a ten play. Um, they they had to come from behind to beat VCU, which was you know down one nothing at the half. Uh, they got a game leveling goal. Um, you know Malia Fabian from Greensburg Central Catholic uh, got a goal in the 46th minute. Um, uh, I you know um, Linnea Facenda um, you know sent in a cross and and um, uh, and Fabian just just headed it in and and that that was a, that was huge and then. Um, Facenda scored a goal of her own in the 50th minute, and they just jumped right back up two to one. And they're a tough team to score. Once they get a lead, they're a tough team to to, to beat. And so, you know, VCU, pretty good team, A10 team. Uh, you know, so you know, again, another 10 saves um, for Murphy, and that's that's just a formula that they follow. You know, they kind of go with that. And then, of course, uh, another shutout uh, against Richmond. So the Spiders. So they, you know, they're 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 a scrappy bunch, and if they get up ahead on you, uh, that's how they. That was a formula of success that they rode. Um, you know, they had to go against Pitt early in that game. It seemed like Pitt had a lot of the game. I saw a lot of. Um, they had a lot of uh, more possession and things like that. But the, but Duquesne just capitalizes on other teams' mistakes, um, and and then just you know keep, uh, especially their back four. They played pretty well the last few games. Um, after that first goal, and and now they're two and zero, and they're heading to St. Bonaventure this weekend. I'm sorry, they're actually playing tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when we're done uh, tomorrow, um, when most people listen to the show, uh, or late, late tonight, there will probably have the result of that game. But it is an O. I think it's a an O and two Duke um, St. Bonnie's team too. Yeah. So, so yeah, they're 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 looking strong, and um, I think they're determined to defend their A10 title. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things, too. We'll we'll get to the men's team here in just a second. But it seems that Duquesne is developing a bit of this mentality, both on their men's side and women's side. And it, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, coaches are sort of collaborating to try to figure out the culture of soccer at Duquesne overall, not just for the men's team, not just for the women's team, but you talk to Chase Brooks. We'll get to that interview. It's a great interview, but he mentioned that mentality of being tough to play against and wanting to play in the team's final third and having sort of a shutdown defense. And I think that we're seeing a lot of that from the women's team as well, whether you know they're collaborating and saying, this is what we want Duquesne soccer to be period, or not, both teams seem to be headed down that path of playing that similar sort of style, which I think is really cool to have sort of this unifying mentality and culture as a school that, mm. you know, you know, if you go to a game, this is what you're going to see from a Duquesne team. So, And, and that's a wonderful point. And to that point, I, I would say it's a lot of times coach, good coaches, real good coaches play to the type of players that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we inter- when you hear the interview with Chase Brooks, you'll 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 kind of understand what I'm talking about in terms of when I ask when I I won't give you the answer, but when I ask <laughs> him the question about what type you know does he have any go to scores for example mm-hmm. that kind of question and so you can see and then not only that having looking at the women's team and seeing you have a lot of um, you know Pittsburgh uh, female. Players from Pittsburgh, really, a lot of players that come from Pittsburgh are known for, you know, being hardworking, gritty, 
um, you know, just just very humble <laughs> and just will do whatever it takes to win. And that, that's this team. What you see is, is is a reflection of that, at least from what I've seen so far. Yeah. So a lot of exciting stuff to come for the women's team. They basically have all A10 play from here on out. Uh, so we'll we'll see how things shake out. Really, there's only the rest of this month, I believe, and then they'll be done with uh, conference play, and that'll be pretty much it for the season. So we'll see how things play out with St. Bonaventure tonight. Um, as you mentioned, their St. Bonaventure's 0-2-0 in conference play. They've lost five of their last six. So hopefully Duquesne can come away with a win in this game and keep rolling through conference play. Um, and it'll get tougher after St. Bonaventure. I'm sure there'll be some some real tough games for them. Uh, but to start, if they can get to that three and zero point, mm-hmm. and to be in that position and get a better, higher seed than they were, like they were a seven seed last year, and, and with a younger team in the A10 tournament. So to, if they can get a higher seed, uh, that that could really help them. I think going into the postseason. Yeah, it could be an exciting time. Um, we talked a little bit about the men. The men also, like I said, have been on a tear. They've been undefeated since our last show. They went 2-0-3, posting five shutouts in the process. They're currently setting a school record with six con- consecutive shutouts. Um, Evan Kozlowski is their uh, redshirt senior keeper. He's been the keeper for all of those games. So, you know, kudos to him. We talked a little bit about Kyra Murphy on the women's side. Evan's been in goal for all of them for, uh, for the defensive shutouts on the men's side. Um, the, the, some of the other news coming out from just those games that, uh, you know, I, I mentioned they beat Cleveland state one, nothing after that game, freshman, uh, Jala key was selected as the Atlantic 10 co rookie of the week. So he picked up the game winner in that game in overtime. Um, yeah. Cleveland state, he was right on the spot there, you know, to knock that shot in. And again, that's the opportunistic type team. They battle, 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 and they found a way. Uh, you will hear, you know, more from we talked to, to to Coach Brooks about that, and you know, they're they this, you know, they think they believe in themselves, but they've had some good individual performances by some of their players. Um, Kozlowski, without a doubt, um, five now six straight um, shutouts, so it's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, so the men's team drew nil uh, nil to St. Bonaventure yesterday to kick off conference play. So they start conference play o o and one. Let's you you know we keep talking about this interview with uh, yeah. with Coach Brooks. <laughs> let's listen to the interview and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about what he had to say. Yeah, so obviously there's got to be a sense of excitement about the team right now. Uh, you guys have had uh, quite a run, especially in the last five games, um, five shutouts, uh, and maybe just. Before we start looking ahead to the A-10 schedule, maybe you can talk a little bit about the, the early part of the season and, and you know, this, this remarkable run that you guys have been on so far. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an exciting ride for sure. 5-2-2. Um, and two. Um, It's a tremendous start for Duquesne and then our program. And, um, you know, it's, it's obviously been uh, the vision of where we've been trying to, to take this program for a few years now. And, it's exciting to, to kind of see uh, some of the hard work starting to pay off, but you know it really comes down to the players. And the players have been bought in from day one, working hard. Uh, anything we throw at them, they are uh, eager to, to try and get after. And really, that's what it comes down to. And we had a schedule that was definitely a tough schedule. Um, you've seen our RPI at times. You know, I think we're. Uh, with the last two ties, we dropped just a little bit, but we're still a top 40 type of RPI team right now. And, um, 
definitely trying to maintain that, continue to push forward, but it hasn't been an easy schedule, and, and every game that we've won has been close, and it's been exciting, and, you know, even to go down to play Kentucky away was, uh, it's, it's all learning moments for these guys, and it's all stuff that we're going to try and take into conference with us, and, and you know, that's what we talk about after every game, just learning from the moment, and uh, reflecting on the game, and then you wake up the next day, uh, a clear head, ready to, ready to move forward for the next one. We'll talk about the early part of the schedule. You went to, you had back-to-back games. You played at Kentucky and then at Wright State. And those were your two losses. Um, you sure. talked about learning moments. Maybe just talk us, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, we I think we felt really good uh, about St. Francis at home. Um, you know, and that was the opening win, two to one, right? Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. So it's you know good results, um, good way to start the season. Um, you know, Kentucky. You walk into that facility, you see, you see them, and, and it's a, it's a pretty remarkable sight. I mean, their their facility is absolutely outstanding. Um, so you know, there's always going to be a slight intimidation factor, and that's where we tried to really educate our guys. I and mean, to their credit, they they reacted the right way and they played extremely hard that evening. Um, it just wasn't meant to be one error, and and, and that kind of uh, led to their goal. And, um, but we took a lot of positives from that, and the fact that, that we really, we really, in a lot of ways, took them out of their game plan, and, and they really didn't break us down. It was really just more of an error, something that we can fix and learn from and move on from. Um, and then into right states where. You know, kind of a different uh, animal altogether. You're just coming from Kentucky where, you know, they, they kind of have uh, everything at their, their fingertips as far as to be successful. And Wright State, he does it, and he's just kind of kind of built himself up over the years. But still, you know, a good quality team. And, you know, looking we showed up, okay, we've done this well against Kentucky. You know, Wright State, that, that'll just kind of get us back on track. And, and that's, not the way, that's not the way college soccer works. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go down 3 nothing in the first half. Um, and I think right then at that halftime was really kind of a turning point for us. Um, you know, we, we had a very, very good uh, conversation, I'll say, at halftime um, about... Uh, As most coaches that are down 3 nothing would. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> about the way we needed to move forward from this point on, um, what we needed to learn, and, and then how we needed to be... Uh, how we needed to be uh, to impose ourselves on others, and and that's what we did from from that second half on. We really haven't looked back. We made a slight tweak in, in our playing style at, at that point, um, and it's really played or paid huge dividends. Um, so that's uh, that's really you know even though it was two losses, um, mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways it taught us a lot about ourselves and who we are and who we want to be as a program. So. And then came, what, three cardiac games in a row, it seemed like. Uh, you had two-to-one win where you were down one nothing really late, got the goal late, and then those two overtime games. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, Wofford was a big one. Wofford's a good team. They're big. They're physical. Um, they make life extremely difficult for 90 minutes, and, and they did. They, they went up one nothing on us, and in the last five minutes of the game, we ended up uh, falling it back and scored two goals. and. And I think that goes back to, again, that second half of Wright State where we where we really came out and, and truly imposed ourselves and, and started to get that belief back. Throughout that 90 minutes against Wofford, we knew we had what it took to win the game. Um, it, it was just about somebody stepping up, and, and you know, and, and, and that's really what it took in that one. So, you know, Wofford was, was obviously a very close one. Now to Canisius, who's, who's having a good year. 
Um, and then to Cleveland State, which you know I think Cleveland State arguably was our, our best game of the year um, so far on the road, and, and uh, you know we just really played exceptionally well in that one. Um, so yeah, we feel again good about it. We have that belief in ourselves and that belief in who we are that, that we can compete for 90 plus minutes and, and always going to have a chance to win the game. And kind of to follow up on that, even before we get into some of the some of the players and stuff, maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, maybe your philosophy, uh, your approach, and maybe what we could expect from a what we we should expect from a team that's coached by Chase Brooks. Um, well, you know, just a little on the philosophy first. I mean, we want to be. Um, if you walk up and watch us, our identity, we want to be one of the hardest working teams you've ever seen. Um, we want to, to make life miserable for the other team for 90 minutes. That, that's, that's our goal. Um, so we, we work exceptionally hard in practice. We have this competition every day in training. Um, we expect guys to get after it and push each other and hold them accountable, uh, hold each other accountable. Um, and then we do the same as coaches. Um, and, you know, you're going to find that defensively um, there's quite a bit of discipline. Um, we, we make sure that we understand who's supposed to go where, what they're doing. Um, offensively, there's quite a bit of freedom. Um, you know, we're not the type of coaches that are going to script up things and script up movements and tell everybody where to go. We, we, we give a lot of freedom in the attacking third and um, make sure the guys understand that they can, they can express themselves. Um, but we're definitely a forward-thinking team. You know, we want to put the other team on the back foot and want to get after them and, and really, again, try to impose ourselves on them. So... Um, I guess that's, that's a little bit about the philosophy. Um, myself, um, uh, nothing special, to be very honest. Um, I grew up in Florida, Fort Myers, Florida. I uh, went to a D2 school down there. Um, had some, some success in my freshman year, my senior year in between. Kind of learned and uh, what not to do, so to speak. Started taking bumps on the field. Um, and then from there was fortunate. Uh, I got on with Steve Simmons at Northern Illinois University, who's now the Oregon State head coach. And um, what a great first mentor at the Division One level. Um, somebody who's used to winning and used to winning at a high level and has a particular way of doing about doing things. And then to go from there to the University of Dayton, um, where again to learn from another coach who's been around the game a long time, mm-hmm. has been very successful. And you know, you have Steve Simmons, who's very defensive minded. You have uh, Dennis Courier at Dayton, who's very offensive minded. Um, I think that uh, for sure helped balance my style out and, and really um, helped me kind of figure out what types of programs we wanted to have. So, yeah. And now it's been four years with Duquesne. Uh, you've, I heard you early in this conversation say that you feel com- you feel like the guys are you know that is it does it take that long to turn a programmer i mean to get a program going the way you kind of want it to go i mean we're watching some other teams here in pittsburgh kind of go through some struggles particularly pitt with a new coach in the first year mm-hmm. and a, right. a huge task in the acc i yeah. mean how difficult is that uh it, it's exceptionally difficult i mean it, for sure it, it can happen fast um at times um, but, but all the pieces have to be almost in place. And I was, again, very fortunate at Niagara University where in two years mm-hmm. we took them to a MAC championship and an NCAA tournament for the first time in program history. And, you know, but that was, I think that was a pretty exceptional case. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of pieces were already there. It was a matter, a matter of, of getting in a couple more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was already a group that was hungry and, and already a group that kind of knew how to compete. They just didn't know how to win. Um, and so that's, that's really what's, what that was about there. But, 
you know, I think, you know, by and large, we actually had a, a great talk uh, this morning um, in the Duquesne Athletics Department with all the head coaches about this, about the culture of a program and how long does it take to kind of turn things. And, I mean, really, on average, you're probably looking at four to five years to truly have your culture in place in most situations. Um, I do think that that's something that, you know, Pitt's being in the ACC, it's, it's just going to take some time, you know, and Jay Vidovich, you know, <laughs> uh, he knows this already. I don't have to tell him anything that he doesn't know. He, he's going to tell me things, I'm sure. But, um, right. um, but he's, he's, he knows he's got an uphill battle, um, but, but, you know, you can't think of many in college soccer that are going to be better uh, attuned to that. So. Absolutely. All right, we'll turn the attention back to Duquesne, obviously, um, talk about some of these contributors. Obviously, you, you talk about the importance of the balance of offense and defense. It, it, it looks like, you know, particularly the last few games, you know, your, your back line and your, deep, your, your goalie, um, uh, Kozlowski, has just stood, stood on his head quite a bit. And, uh, obviously, but there's been a limit of shots, it looks like, too. So it looks like it's kind of been the, the back line's really played well t- as well. Correct, correct, yeah, and I think that comes down to that balance. You're right, so that discipline, um, it, it really is the full team defending. Um, again, we try to spend most of the 90 minutes in the att- in our attacking half of the field. Um, and if we are successful at that, then, then you know, you're going to see games where we're out shooting teams 15 to 6, uh, 5 to 2 on goal. Uh, things like that are going to happen. And, and Evan is a, is a very good goalie, and, and we trust him. We know he's going to be there for those couple saves a game that he's going to have to make as, a, as an ending soccer game. Um, but everybody in front of him are going to do their job to try to limit those shots and, and make his life as easy as possible. And then as far as being a balanced team and having a – it looks like your attack is pretty balanced too. You have – Bornstein's got three goals, but there's, it's kind of spread out every, among everybody else. Um, is that kind of how you saw, see how this team is going to be or are there going to be more go-to type players or how do you see this, especially as you get into the A-10 with your attack? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're never going to be a team. I don't, I don't think a place like Duquesne is, is really built for superstars, so to speak. I think Duquesne is – it's just a hard-working um, type of place. Um, that's the type of culture that we have on the institution anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have a, a true superstar that just leads the way um, is not going to happen this year, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to be a team that, by committee, um, we're going to get our results. Um, you know, there's going to be a new hero uh, every game, and, and, and that's totally fine by us. Excellent. And uh, you've got a couple local players on your roster. Um, that's kind of a two-sided question here. The first part of it is uh, maybe talk about the contributions uh, from Landry, uh, Ryan Landry, who's a freshman from Shaler. Uh, I've seen him play quite a bit over the years um, and uh, from the high school and even in the youth level. And then also you have uh, from South Park, um, you have Walbert uh, as well. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brandon. And so, just talk about their contributions and what it means to have good local players on this in this in the Duquesne program. I think it's vital to have good local players. Um, you know, I think it's it's something that uh, we strive for to find the best players to try to keep them close to home. Um, it it's to have somebody who has grown up in our own backyard. It's it just it's, it is vital. To get the families and friends excited about Duquesne soccer in this area, to get them out to games, um, just provide more fans. Um, I think it's very important. And, and with the contributions of these two in particular, 
Um, you know, there's a common theme between the two of them. I mean, they're two of the most humble, hardworking kids you're going to find. Um, you know, you ask him to do something, yes, sir, no problem, coach, sorry, I got it. And that's, that's a wonderful quality, and that's a big part of our recruiting is character. We recruit character individuals and, and try to make sure that, um, you know, we're one of those flagship programs on campus, and those two absolutely fit that mold and are doing an exceptional job for us right now. Excellent. And now, obviously, everything points towards the A-10. You have uh, St. Bonaventure's first and then, you know, some challenging games ahead of that. Um, you know, what are your expectations uh, going into this to this uh, conference schedule now? Yeah, we're, we're excited about it. Um, I mean, for sure that the A-10 is, is a tough conference. Every game's going to be difficult. You know, St. Bonaventure away, their, their record is... Is, is what it is, but they're a team, as, as in any in college soccer, that are good enough on any given day. So you have to show up, you have to take care of business. Um, so that's first and foremost. Um, we need to get our first uh, road win in conference, um, take care of business tomorrow night, and then get refocused. You know, GW, Fordham, VCU, the next three teams are all teams that are capable of doing very well in conference. And, um, you know, again, we're a team that, that's going to be able to compete with anybody in our conference. And as long as we do what we do uh, and do it to the best of our ability, um, we'll, we'll go after good results. So really, really good stuff from Coach Brooks. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that, I, that I really took away from this was in something that's really um, applicable to a lot of these other teams that we're going to be talking about here to, to follow up on this is he talked about you, act, you asked about building the identity and the culture and, and how long it takes to sort of turn a program around. You mentioned, you know what, really taking four to five years to get a system and put a culture in place at the school. And, you know, I think coming into this, Pitt now has a new, or Pitt men's team has a new head coach, and I think everybody's expecting things to turn around right away. But seeing sort of, you know, the dividends that are being paid out from the time that Coach Brooks has put in at Duquesne, you know, we need to to make sure that we have realistic expectations for some of these other teams that are going through this this culture change. Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> that you know, it was it was just a question that as I was having that conversation with him, it just it was a natural question to ask and wanted to kind of get his feedback and it's true. It takes in the, the bigger picture, to build a program to get it to where you want it to go, it's certainly it's going to take some time. I mean, there are things when we talk about Pitt. I will, you know, maybe I'll address this a little bit more in detail. But there are certain things that you can see a coach, maybe even in their first year, you could see some of those fingerprints mm-hmm. taking effect. But ultimately, yeah, I think in terms of you know, personnel and getting the players and recruiting your players and, and then recruiting players after you've recruited or had a chance to coach some players and getting them to buy in. And then, you know, it just becomes a whole cultural thing where, the, you know, the kids that are, are new to the team, the freshmen, the transfers are, you know, learning from the kids that have been under this coach for a year or two and so on and so forth. And that that's the whole thing. And then that's when people start believing in each other. So when you're early in the season, and you're down two to one. I'm sorry, you're down one nothing late in the game in the 85th minute, and you've played on the road at Kentucky, mm-hmm. and you've played and lost to a really good Wright State team. And you know you're at home and you're down one nothing in a game, and it's the 85th minute. You know these guys believe in themselves, and and I think you probably got some of that from 
Coach Brooks's interview that they're, they're, that's kind of the level that they're at. And so they've taken that and they've built, a, built upon that. Now, I think they do have challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they seem like a team that is going to struggle um, in terms of not you know, having the most exciting attacking unit. They will, you know, it'll be a scoring by committee type situation. And coach, he, he certainly alluded to that. So there's there some things that, but they're, but they're right there. They're in every game and they're competing with some very, very good programs, uh, having a chance to play Kentucky um, and getting positives and, and losing one nothing game in a very impressive facility and, and game against a top 25 opponent. So it's good. And they can build on that. Now, you know, the A-10 has just started for them. So they have all this momentum. They want to keep it. I think, my under you know just the feeling i get from yes from after yes last night's game a zero zero draw with st bonaventure is was some sense of disappointment i think they felt that that was an opportunity lost they they could get you know um get that first win on the board and a10 play and they kind of didn't capitalize they they outshot st bonaventure i believe it was 17 to 3 or something along those lines yeah so to to not come up with the win um on the road you know, it, it that was that had to be a little bit disappointing, considering that they've been on a bit of a roll and they know they can count. It seems like they can really count on their their back four and yeah. and their Kozlowski to, to to come up big for them. Yeah, it, I I you know I totally respect he mentioned the identity being just one of the hardest working teams you've ever seen, and that harkens back to what you said before we listened to the interview about you know the blue collar you know grinded out humble mentality. Um, and just making the other team miserable for 90 minutes. And it's in, in a lot of cases earlier this season, it was 90-plus minutes where they're putting in goals in overtime to to ruin the other team's day. But discipline defensively, freedom offensively in attacking third, allowing guys to express themselves, they turn out for entertaining games. Um, playing, you know, playing in the other team's final third, as we saw, you know, with St. Bonaventure, where the the shot discrepancy between the two teams was so great, they just couldn't get one to go in. Um, but it still leads for entertaining soccer to watch. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, so they have seven games left to their regular season. All of them are conference play. On Saturday, George Washington is coming to Rooney Field at 7 p.m. Um, George Washington beat Robert Morris two nothing. We beat them one. We as in Duquesne beat them one nothing, and uh, George Washington beat Navy one nothing. Uh, whereas Duquesne drew nil nil to them earlier this past month. So just to give you some idea of where we may stack up to George Washington, just try to look back at some of the teams that we played uh, mm-hmm. that were similar, and the outcomes were fairly similar as well. So this may be a pretty close game. Um, and definitely something to go check out Saturday night. Considering I that think, there's no Riverhounds, there's no EPL, there's <laughs> there's no other soccer. So go go watch Duquesne play Saturday night. That's right. And you know, I think the thing's gonna be important for Duquesne is that they you know, this is a quality opponent that they're gonna play. Really the next four or five games, uh, Coach Brooks hinted to that. A lot of quality opponents now coming up. And it's one of those things where the A ten is is pretty much up for grabs, I think, uh, in terms of you know, getting a good seed and getting into the playoffs, um, you know that that's important to them. So they 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 need to they need to get there, especially at home at Rooney Field. They need to take advantage and and hopefully get an early goal. And then you you know again, they're a strong defensive unit. Really ride that. So 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be entertaining to watch um, both both Duquesne teams. So if you get a chance, like I said, even if you can't make it out to Rooney Field, catch some of the games online, catch the highlights online. They're all there for free. It's entertaining stuff to watch. Um, so, yeah, good stuff from Duquesne. Unfortunately, uh, you know, two of the other big schools that we've talked about previously, their teams are struggling a bit, both Pitt and Robert Morris. Um you think? <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> you you posted the question, you know, will either Pitt team win an ACC game this year? Yeah. I mean, the women's team is 0-4-0 since we last talked, losing all of their conference games. Now, they've played a number of ranked opponents. So they take on number 8 Virginia tonight uh, in their third consecutive game against a ranked opponent. But It's a grind. I mean, it's such yeah. a grind for them. I think they're... they're you know, we, there was so much talk about the men's team and the, the ACC being so great on the men's side, but I, I just seen night after night the women are just and they're they have um, gone through some injuries and they're just not deep enough to sustain that. Last year, I think they kind of had a nice little run. I think they could, caught a few teams by surprise, but just such a tough conference. And there's and even in non-conference games, they've you know they've struggled. He tried to play some some good non-conference games early in the year and. Um, but it was, it's hard when you're a little bit undermanned, uh, and that's been the case for the women's team. So it, it, it's going to be, which team will win an ACC game this year? Uh, you know, I don't know the opponent, the level of some of the teams that are near the bottom of the ACC and on the women's side, mm-hmm. that will be interesting. I know they picked up a few wins last year against, uh, Duke, I think had, they had a win and, um, they had some other games where they were, you know, kind of knocking on the door of the playoffs a little bit there last year but they you know their goal was to get top eight and it doesn't look like it and i you know getting a win this year in acc or two will be will be nice because at this point it just seems like they're just they just been in decline all year they just haven't been a strong team and again taking on ranked opponents seems like every game um it's been kind of difficult for them in your mind, we, we talked about earlier in the season how not to expect a ton from the men's team because, you know, a new coach, a new system, they're rebuilding, they're trying to define that culture that, you know, Coach Brooks mentioned putting in place four years ago at Duquesne. In your mind, is it is it a similar situation for the women's team where they're trying to figure out who they are? Or do you think this is just more of this is what, we should sort of expect from this program just considering the level of the rest of the teams in the ACC. Well, you know, this is a program that is, is, you know, their, their, their coach is in his fourth year. So, you know, we talk about building a culture Mm -hmm. last year was, was kind of that turnaround, turnaround, um, moment for them. It seemed like, um, so they hit the wall this year as they did, uh, is definitely diff- disappointing to say the least for Pitt, um, for the Pitt women, um, to have that to be at that point where you know they they thought they kind of turned a corner and then just to have a down season like this. And part of it is the recruiting uh, right now. I mean, if you look at the look at the recruiting, and and I've heard different people say different things, but you look. I've said this on the first show. You go. What do you go seventy miles south, and you've got the number two, three, or four ranked team in the country in West Virginia? Yeah. You go to the east, you've got Penn State. Pitt has to recruit against those. I know they're not in neither one. You know, you got you got a Big Ten on one side, you got a you know the Big Eight um, on the other, Big Twelve on the other side. Yeah, but the bottom line is that 
this area, I mean, Duquesne has had some success building their, their program with local players. Pitt doesn't barely, I mean, they have a few local base players, but maybe they should start looking from within, looking closer to home first and build around that because there, there are good players in this area. Yeah. yeah. And it's Pitt. I mean, it's with all due respect to Robert Morris and Duquesne, Pitt should be, they should be the top you know the premier college program and being in the ACC yeah. so yeah. I, it's disappointing to see where they are this year but i know there's been some injuries and i know it's been a tough tough road for them so, so but I, I i would expect i was a little just surprised by the the way things have gone so far yeah, I agree. And you mentioned, you know, sort of the expectations because they're pit. You, you really can't even make the comparison that it's just because they're playing in the ACC because there have been a number of games for both the men and women where they've played Robert Morris or they've played Duquesne and they haven't fared so well. So mm-hmm. even just trying to match up against teams that play in completely other divisions, they're not stacking up. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of turnaround um, you know, either the men or women's team can can go through for the rest of the season. The men are 0-2-1 in conference play so far, um, mm-hmm. continuing conference play with Boston College at home tomorrow. I mean, are your expectations for the men's team any higher than the women's team at this point? Do you think the men's team are going to win an ACC game this year? Well, uh, you know, the one thing that we can, we've clearly seen from the men's team is that they put them – they are competing – they are competing. They're they're making their opponents beat them. Mm-hmm. They're making their opponents have to outwork them. And so yes, they don't have the you know at the you know at the end of the day maybe you know in the final third especially uh, they may be getting a little possession here and there. But they're just not like the the fact that they played Duke and played them one one. Mm-hmm. You know I thought that was a little bit of a um, a nice nice result for them. Um, it was kind of tough for them to build on that. But, you know, that's a 1-1 against Duke. They, they had to previously play North Carolina, uh, and they only lost one nothing to and that's the number two team in the country. So there's there are some things to take away. They have been in every game. They've been, you know, they've, they've lost to, you know, Notre Dame 2 nothing. I think St. Mary's a pretty good team. St. Mary's went to West Virginia. West Virginia men are ranked 17th in the country. And St. Mary's beat them two days before, then came to Pitt and beat them one nothing. On a late, late a goal, really late in the game. So the, I think Coach Vidovich is what he said in the beginning of the season. He talked about the just he wants them to compete. Uh, he wants to help build this culture and change things for the better, as we've been talking about throughout the show. And you you could see you could see those signs. Uh, I obviously you know losing some games like maybe to Robert Moore. Or, but you know, he's got to get this team ready for ACC schedule. So you know there was priority, priorities there too. So I just think that they're they're competing. They're every game is one nothing, two one, one one, two nothing, two nothing, one nothing. So they're there. They're 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 competing. Yeah, I mean it's a case where this season you don't really want to look at the you know end results. 
uh, or the results of the game as a reflection of what this season means in the next four to five years in the terms of development of the culture of this team. You know, it's like you're saying when you go to number two, North Carolina, and you only lose one nothing. We said before that game happened that, you know, even losing one nothing would be a huge victory for this team considering where they are and going to the number two ranked team in the country. So, at the end of the season, we may not see as many wins as people would like to see, but that's not an indication that the that the organization is moving in the wrong direction. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the next few games shake out. I mentioned Boston College. Uh, they're going to be playing them tomorrow um, in Pittsburgh. They actually travel out to Penn State next week. Um, so, not <laughs> a conference game, but... You know. Right, but that should be fun, and... Again, Penn State's pretty good. You know, they're pretty good. So you've got your, you know, the, the the big thing is, I think they can they can really jump into the off season and into going forward to next year if they could get one or two, um, you know, trademark uh, type wins. You know, something to build on, something that they could point to. I mean, getting that first ACC win, the the. Uh, notoriety, if you will, <laughs> that will come out of beating, winning an ACC game. People will turn their heads. Oh, Pitt finally won an ACC game, yeah. and that might turn some attention. People might take some notice, and I think that might be a positive thing. Maybe going out to State College and and getting a result against Penn State, again, kind of maybe turning some heads within the state, and maybe there's a couple players in our state that might be paying attention to that. And of course, look who the coach is. Well, all of a sudden there's that instant credibility of Jay Vitovich. So a couple results here or there, plus the fact that you've got Vitovich, they, they need whatever they can, they can count on, you know, any little, any little victories that they can get from this point for the rest of the season will, will be benefits uh, for Pitt. And I, I mean that for both the men and the women. So, yeah. but I do, if either, if it, and, but to answer the very first question, when we talk about both Pitt programs, it's going to depend on the type of competition that they see, what the other lower-level ACC teams are, and just see kind of where they stack up. I, I haven't seen some of those other teams to, to really tell if they have a chance to maybe pull out a win or get a win in any one of those games. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Robert Morris. You know, we mentioned how both the pit sides are struggling. Robert Morris is struggling as well. Uh, Robert Morris's women's team is now 0-4-0 since we last talked. They lost their first two NEC games to Bryant and Sacred Heart, 2-0-3-0 respectively. Um, So not great um, for them. Uh, And the men's team is 1-2-1 since we last talked. They kick off NEC play tomorrow night um, against Fairleigh Dixon. uh, Or Dickinson, sorry. And that's the first of seven conference games in their remaining eight total games. So both teams sort of saved NEC games for the very end, and now they're mm-hmm. going on that run. Um, how do you think they may fare in conference play? Well, the men, you know, the men have a – they're just – their season's their season's starting now, you know, for, for the bottom line. You know, the one thing about Robert Morris is they will schedule some tough games out of conference. They'll kind of play a little bit of everybody. Mm-hmm. They've had some disappointing non-conference uh, results. They did beat Pitt at, you know, they were at home. Yeah. They did beat Pitt uh, over there, so that was a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a boost. Yeah, but they're one, two, and one in non-conference play, and so uh, I was listening to uh, Coach um, Dennison from Robert Morris talking earlier today, and he was talking about, look, we're 
we're in a conference where it's it's a game here, a game there, neck and neck. Everyone's going to be pretty close, pretty even. So the Northeast Conference is up for grabs. They've been the perennial semifinalists. You know, they you would think with some of the talent that they've had in recent years, guys that have gone on, Speedy Williams, you know, players like that, um, Neko Brett, you know, those guys, they would have maybe have challenged for winning a title. But the NEC is is probably be, is pretty competitive, and you know the St. Francis is a pretty good team. Some of those other teams in the conference, the Northeast Corridor, when you got players coming from New Jersey, you got players you're competing against from, you know, Maryland. These are good, pretty good soccer base bases. The DC area, yeah. uh, so it's tough to com- you know compete. Um, to you know, it's mid major. So they're 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 oh they're zero oh and zero and they start you know against Fairleigh Dickinson tomorrow and you know we'll see what see what happens, but they've been competitive um, again just like just like kind of Pitt's been competitive um, they they've been in most games so I, I I wouldn't see why they wouldn't be if we get back on the show two weeks from now and we start talking about you know we're Robert Morris are they gonna I kind of see they could be somewhere in that three and two and two and two, or somewhere in there, and competing for a spot in the playoff in the NEC, and and that's really where they go from here. So again, the the record's not really reflecting the full story. Things could be on the up and up here when uh, by the next time we talk. So uh, you know, best of luck to both Pitt and Robert Morris in terms of turning things around here over the next few games, and uh, we're definitely keeping a close eye on things and and pulling for you. Yeah, absolutely, and I just want to make a quick note that you know the RMU women, just the, the fact that they started off zero and two and losses to Bryant and Sacred Heart in the NEC, uh, you know that's tough. That's a tough start for them, but you know we'll see we'll see what they can do in the next few games. It's not they're not quite out of it completely, but they've had a rough rough run this year, and and I think there's there's some recruiting, uh, some you know they have a lot of young players. So there'll be it'll be an interesting off season for them recruiting recruitment wise. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so John, you added here too that uh, you know you've been not just watching some of the big games, but you've also been watching some of the uh, smaller colleges. Uh, and so we added this small college shout out. So you you picked out two players in particular to keep an eye on at some of the smaller colleges. Why don't you uh, you know share with everybody who those players are and some some details about them. Sure. If uh, you know, if some anyone's followed the w, uh, WPIL uh, in recent years, the uh, Mount Pleasant had an outstanding player, um, female player, a girl, uh, women's player now, uh, Jordan Chewy, uh, and she has gone on to Washington and Jefferson. Has just been a terrific player, fantastic uh, at the Division Three level. She was last year. She was the uh, President's Athletic Conference, the, the PAC. Uh, player of the year and and this past week she picked up a, another um pack uh, play, uh, president's conference um player of the week uh, accolades again um just to kind of put it in perspective she's had nine multi-goal games in her career she's um it's i believe she's a junior this year um she's had um six hat tricks um and it was her sixth hat trick last wednesday which when, when they beat franciscan two three to two uh, and they've just begun to play um, in uh, in conference play as well. So she's got eight goals for the season, and she's tied. Um, you know, she's got uh, 17 points for the year. So she's just a player to watch, and um, is continues to play really, really well. And 
she'll, she'll, she's basically you know, one of the main reasons why W&J women uh, will be in contention in the pack for sure this year. Yeah, yeah, three or six career hat tricks. That's yes. That, that's that's nothing yes. to sneeze at. That's like messy type stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know? seriously. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, they did lose their first pack game of the season, um, and this kind of uh, takes me to the next piece uh, we wanted to talk about. Um, they lost to a local Pittsburgh team we haven't really talked about much this year, and that's Chatham. Uh, they lost one nothing to Chatham um, in a, in a two overtime game. So one thing you get, I'm getting used to watching a lot of smaller college soccer as my son plays at La Roche, is just sometimes you sit there as a parent, you like, or as a spectator, you, you know, you love soccer, you want it to go on and on and on. But after more than one overtime game, it gets to be all right. Want this game to end? Yeah. You don't want any overtime games. <laughs> There's a Wait. lot of like t- double overtimes that I see, like when you're looking through the the schedule and the scoreboard and of all Mm. these teams it's like wow this team won in double overtime again yeah i think lots of long i've seen quite a few i mean i watched some of the duquesne games that went to overtime watched the laroche games that went over it just seems like you know at that level that neither team's going to give much Mm -hmm. uh i noticed that especially at the higher levels at the division one level it's just tough sometimes it's tough to crack the teams are very you know, organized and defensive minded and it's tough to get through and break through and, and, and you see a lot of games go to overtime. And plus the other fact is that in college soccer, you can sub, you can sub unlimited. And I think that plays into it. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, again, I, I go way back years ago. I don't remember this many overtime games, even when I coached at this level, uh, you know, small college level. I, we just, it just seems like a, that's a, it's just very common everywhere. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned, um, you know, the Chad and women are now riding five game unbeaten streak, um, including wins over. Uh, how do you pronounce that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Who uh, they? Medale. Yeah, Medale. Sorry, there we go. And Franciscan and Penn State Altoona. So mm-hmm. they're they're doing good. Um, and then they're riding was, a five game unbeaten string. Yep. Yeah, and then there was one other player that you had mentioned as well. Um, well, they have sisters uh, at Chatham. They have the, the Sieg sisters, uh, Megan and Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're, Me- Megan is a junior, and she's got five goals, I believe, already this year uh, and five assists. So she's been their, their go-to player. Um, one thing you may notice is uh, if you follow the, the, the Steel City FC, some of the Steel City FC coaches mm-hmm. are involved coaching the Chatham women's team. So, and, of course, they play all their home games, the same place where the Steel City FC ladies played. Um, this year and that's at uh, ellis school mm-hmm. over in uh, shady side so if, if somebody if you're in the city area and you want to catch some good uh, college uh, soccer uh, small college soccer you can watch chatham women right there at the ellis school right by the um, bakery square there oh so, that's awesome yeah and uh, they also have a uh, freshman goalkeeper uh, elena burdelski uh, who i watched a lot of last year she played at fox chapel um, she's just had a, a good season obviously five unbeaten uh wins and she's had a number of shutouts so so they're they're pretty nice little small college team so shout out to the chatham women um good job so far yeah absolutely so one of the things that you and i had talked about sort of off the air after the last show was um this idea of awarding 
not really players of the week because we don't really do the show weekly, but maybe just <laughs> players of the show. Um, so we talked a little bit about, you know, who are co-players of the show we're going to be for this one. Um, both, you know, one from the women's team, one from the men's team. And, uh, you know, as we were talking about it, there were really only two names that came to mind for me, at least in terms of going back and watching games and reading about the teams and highlights and all of that. Do you want to go ahead and do the honors as to as to who we're going to award it to for the show? Sure. Uh, without, I think we were both in complete agreement yeah. there with this, but uh, Kira Murphy from Duquesne, uh, goalkeeper, and then, of course, the other goalkeeper on the other side for the men's team for Duquesne, Evan Kozlowski, both... Uh, well-deserved honors of our, you know, our players of the show, if you will. Um, so we'll we'll definitely uh, hats off to both of them for an outstanding uh, run so far, and keep you know making their teams, uh, keeping their teams in games, and it's just really looking at Duquesne. Look at Duquesne soccer right now: six, three, and one for the women. You know, the men are are heading into they've just begun a 10 play and they've won uh, their six straight scoreless. So um, a shutout streak. So hats off to them. They well deserved. Um, It'd be nice to see some some good goal scorers. Uh, We might have to dip into the small college ranks to to go there (laughs) next next few episodes, uh, because at this point, Pitt, Duquesne, Robert Morris, uh, we want to see some more goals. Let's go. Get it going here. Come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. But as you said, kudos um, to, you know, both of the Duquesne keepers. Uh, They're keeping the teams in it and, uh, and keeping, you know, the shutouts alive, which is, which is fantastic. So um, I think that's, it for this show like i mentioned there's a lot of action coming up this weekend a lot of action you know most of the teams are are heavy into conference play over the next few Mm -hmm. weeks so by the next time we talk you know definitely gonna be talking a lot more about conference play it'll be interesting to see how these teams shake out you know whether duquesne both duquesne teams can sort of hold their their dominance and what they've been doing and whether or not Pitt and robert morris can turn it around talk about some of these minor teams maybe even talk about you know penn state west virginia how they're faring as well so a lot of really Really great college action going on and this is this is heating up i mean one of the things that i think a lot of people forget is that college soccer is not year round um, basically by the end of october most teams are either in tournament play or they're done so everything's sort of coming to a head here very very soon and uh it's that exciting period for them so a lot of great stuff to go to go check out uh, over the next few weeks yeah and I, and again just uh Thanks to Chase Brooks. Uh, I'd like yeah. to just extend a uh, thanks to Chase Brooks. And we'll look forward to the next show. We'll try to get out there and get uh, get another interview along those lines. I'll probably try to get out to a game in the next few weeks, a game or two of uh, some of our bigger name programs, and hopefully get a get another a good interview. And I, my thought, just kind of closing thought, um, looking at the six teams, obviously the four, I think, you know, obviously, Robert Morris men are still kind of absolutely right in the picture. Uh, mm-hmm. Long way to go. But looking at it right now, I think the Duquesne teams, if they could finish top four in A10, obviously, I think the, the women are shooting for the stars for sure mm-hmm. uh, because they won the A10 uh, as a seven seed last year. So I think the way I look at it is, you know, hopefully two weeks from now, they're contending for the, the top spot. Um, and then, of course, the men could be that surprise team in the A-10 this year. So that's kind of what I think we're looking for um, going forward. And then, you know, see what the, the other teams can do to kind of salvage this last month. 
yeah. and build yeah. on it. If either of the pit teams can maybe pick up a win in ACC play, that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we said, watch how Robert Morris does in the NEC since I think most of both of the men and women's games playing out are all conference games. So exciting stuff. Um, you mentioned big thanks to, to Coach Brooks. John, obviously big thanks to you. Uh, John's out there covering all the games. You can go check out his write-ups over at the PittsburghSoccerReport.com. Um, great stuff over there as always. So keep that up. Um, and, you know, if you like this show um, and you want to get this show automatically, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us just by looking for Mongols um, over in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Just search for Mongols or you can go to our website, mongols.com and click on one of the links on the side. Once you subscribe, you'll automatically get the latest show. So whenever John and I sit down to talk college soccer, you'll automatically get the latest show and you can check it out and hear the latest on all of the college teams in the area. Um, lots of great stuff, but, uh, Oh, and I, I did, of course I, I can't finish the show without mentioning the fact that, you know, it was my first foray back onto the field in a long time as you know, I played college soccer, coached college soccer, and I had the opportunity to play in the point park alumni game last week. So, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> thanks to all my, uh, fellow alums from Point Park that joined me on the field, uh, the Point Park Pioneers, uh, of course, play all their home games at Highmark Stadium. So I had the chance to, I probably have covered, I think I tweeted this, something, I probably exaggerated, but something like 100 games at Highmark Stadium. Been there, coached a few times there, but never had a chance to play on the pitch. And so it was nice to get out there on a Saturday morning to play. Um, one of my teammates is uh, going way back to Point Park. Uh, days is Paul Zeiss, who many people probably already know. Paul is, you know, is a, out there in the media. He's on the, the fan, and he's also a Pittsburgh Post Gazette. So Paul and I, Paul was the our original one of the original players on the first Point Park team ever in 1989, um, and then I joined on board and played in 1991. So anyway, it was just a lot of fun to get back out to Highmark Stadium and to play, and and um, I look forward to. To seeing what Point Park can do this year too, they've just also gotten into conference play as well. Yeah, no, no injuries out there. You, you held it together. No, right I, I held it together. <laughs> I, I was fine. I was a little, my legs were a little heavy towards the end, uh, and but we, we held fine. Paul did well in goal. He, he's, he was a, a keeper back in the day. We weren't playing. We were playing on a little bit of a shorter field, so we did not have. We couldn't use our hands in goal. So I know I got oh. caught a few times in between kind of between goal and like defending somebody coming at goal. So, you know, I can't use my hands. Oh crap. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) So, but you know, we did good. I did get, I did play, I did make a run up and, and we were, the funny thing was we were only the two of us were We're the only two that were over 40. I don't think anybody there was between the ages of 30 and 40 and then everybody else was in their twenties. So I think, I think we held our own. Held your own with the youngins. Good. That's awesome. (laughs) Good, good. Representing, you know, both in the booth and on the field. That's what I like to hear. There you go. All right. Well, thanks, John. Again, appreciate all you do. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll talk to everybody really soon. Stay tuned. All right. Later. Thanks.